Hey, it's me, Kayla White, the host of Valley 101. Out of an abundance of caution, almost everyone in our newsroom will be working from home for the next few weeks. That means we're away from our studio and our usual recording equipment, so you might notice that our podcast sounds a little different because of that, but it's not stopping us. We'll still bring you new episodes every week. Thank you for listening. Remember life before social distancing? Just a few weeks ago, the simple act of congregation wasn't so foreign to us. People would get together in parks and movie theaters, at a friend's house for cocktails, and there's a simple reason why we do it. Human beings are social creatures, myself especially. For Valley Transplants, the act of gathering can mean something more. It's a chance to reminisce about shared culture and experiences, to feel at home again. And that's what one of our reporters felt when she attended a picnic with about 3,000 other people from North Dakota. That's right, 3,000 people from North Dakota just hanging out in Mesa. Before coronavirus, of course. Welcome to Valley 101 a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. In today's episode, podcast editor Katie O'Connell is teaming up with one of our reporters to tell you the story of the North Dakota picnic. The North Dakota picnic is the largest gathering of North Dakotans outside of the state. Or so my colleague thinks, as she said when she wrote about it, there's really no way of knowing. My name is Rachel Leingang, and I'm a reporter at the Arizona Republic. I'm from Mandan, North Dakota, which is in central North Dakota, right by Bismarck, the capital. Mandan is small. It's the eighth largest city in North Dakota, As of 2017, about 22,000 people lived there. I'd say it's like a pretty quiet town, but like everybody kind of knows everybody and that can be really nice and really terrible at the same time. There's one high school in town, Mandan High School. Rachel graduated from there in 2007. Rachel's great-great-grandfather was German. During homesteading, he immigrated to North Dakota from what was Russia at the time. She grew up immersed in German-Russian culture and food, like nefla soup. It's basically like dumplings and potatoes, and it's like beige. So a lot of the foods are just like beige, like completely colorless. Um, But it's delicious, and it's such a comfort food. She learned how to polka dance in school. She said she was a real water bug. She'd spend her summers boating on the Missouri River or tubing in a nearby lake. And camping wasn't just something done on the occasional weekend. It was stitched into the fabric of her family's culture. People have flags they put on their campers, and every 4th of July it's like a mini town, like full of campers and things like that. But then she left. I've lived here since 2012. So this is my eighth year in Arizona. 
And in the following years, her maternal grandparents began to spend their winters in Gold Canyon, outside of Mesa. Are they the ones who you found out about this picnic from? Yes. So they've gone to this picnic several times. There's also a, like, monthly breakfast for people who are specifically from Bismarck Mandan that they have gone to as well. It turns out this picnic has been going on for 53 years, but its origins are a bit unknown. I I think it probably started pretty uh, organically with just a group of North Dakotans deciding, hey, let's get together and have a potluck. (laughs) That's what North Dakotans do. Um, And then it kind of grew from there. That's Christy Stone Cipher. She's with the North Dakota Community Foundation. They're the nonprofit group that took over hosting the picnic in 2018. Christy said this event is one of a kind. It's the only North Dakotan picnic the organization sponsors. This is the main one we're do- we do right now because there's just such a large um, gathering of North Dakotans in Arizona. We have so many of our state residents that go there. I don't know if we would, you know, ever find the opportunity to do another picnic somewhere else. Christy said attendees tend to be a mix of snowbirds and folks who have moved here permanently. But Rachel's grandma has a different way of describing them. She calls them the Q-tip crowd. White hair, white tennis shoes. And then we do have some people, I think, who maybe plan traveler trips around the picnic. Um, if they're going to go down south, they may schedule you know, their time down there so that they, they make sure they're here. Yes, you heard that correctly. People will intentionally book trips to Arizona based around the picnic. And it's not just because of the booths touting Dots pretzels. Those are an addictive pretzel with ties to both North Dakota and Arizona. It's not because of the giveaways, although Rachel said those were very popular and highly competitive. One person, instead of like writing their name down repeatedly, just brought like their address labels and like put them on the entry forms. And I was like, that's like, this person is playing chess and we've been playing checkers. And it's not even because the former mayor of Bismarck, Bill Sorensen, performs magic there. Or the live music from an artist aptly named Will Dakota. The real draw of the picnic. The real draw of the picnic, I think, is is being able to find former friends and neighbors and classmates. And that's where Rachel comes back in. After she found out about the picnic, Rachel started joking around, telling people she bet she could find a relative there. And people were like, like they thought it was funny and that it would be kind of like a fun thing to do. And I, even if I couldn't write about it, it was my intention to do it just because it's weird. And I like to do things sometimes just for the story, right? Like I one time got like ordained on the internet and then like officiated a wedding for someone who I found on Craigslist just because I was like, why not, right? But the idea isn't that far-fetched. Not in the slightest. Whenever she wants to head home, Rachel takes a direct flight from the Mesa airport to Bismarck. On that flight, it is usually like a pretty old crowd, but they always ask, like, who's your grandpa? Do you have any uncles or aunts? Like, that's like the first thing that happens when you sit down beside someone on that plane is they're trying to figure out how they know you. And that's assuming there's any mystery involved. Sometimes she'll spot someone from high school on the plane. The last time she flew, 
I think I was in the same row as somebody that was like my brother's, like one of my brother's close friends in high school. It was so weird. Anyway, all of that explains how Rachel found herself in Red Mountain Park in Mesa on a Saturday morning searching for a relative. It's windy and beautiful, but I'll tell you what it's not. Winter. When I first got there, I would say I was overwhelmed because you kind of feel like a Finding Nemo type thing, just going up and being like, are you my dad? Like, you know, like it's a, it's kind of a weird thing to like put yourself on a mission for. Up first, Rachel signed in. The North Dakota Community Foundation sets up a table with clipboards for each county. Attendees can write their names down and scout for other names that look familiar. Um, I just signed up with my county, which is Morton County, and there are a lot of people there from my hometown um, of Mandan, but it's been like five minutes and I haven't found like a cousin yet. So for me, that's, it's longer than I thought it'd be, but, but I think I may be just feeling a little shy this morning, so I needed to start going up to people. There's a map of the state, too. Um, I just put my star on a big North Dakota map in Mandan, and there are several other stars there, so I know I can find people. I just talked with somebody who said, yeah, you're a line gang. That's a huge family. You should be able to find people. So with that energy and the strength of this polka music in the background, we're going to go find uh, a relative. How? We don't know. We'll find out. It's worth noting that Rachel wasn't alone in this endeavor. One of our photographers, Patrick Breen, was there shooting some photos as well. So Morton County is right by Burley County, and there's a lot of overlap. So maybe the Burley list would have more people. Let's see. Yeah, that Burley list is crowded. That's where Bismarck is, the capital city. The line for Burley, yeah, oh my gosh. Just just walk up to people like, do you know anybody in the lead? How do you pronounce your last name? I can't even do it. Lang gang. Or Lang gang, either or. Yeah, I'll wait till they're done signing, so I don't interrupt any any business. Hey, um, are any of you guys related to any line gangs? <laughs> Rachel and Patrick struck out on their first few attempts. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find some relatives. <laughs> and they're here? I don't know. I, oh, I'm not oh. saying his unknown relatives. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, we know a George Lang gang. Where does he do? He, he, he works, farm? He's retired. Oh. He worked for the state um, highway department. I have an uncle named George Lang gang, but he's a farmer. And he's oh. not retired. But I think there's probably a few. <laughs> that was great. That was a close call. <laughs> that, that was great, though. <laughs> And then the duo struck gold. I was standing by the sign-in sheet and this lady just looked really familiar. Um, and I, I I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, you know, Mandan's pretty small, so she's probably from Mandan. So I went up to her and I was like, hey, you know, do you know any line gangs? Hey, are you, are you guys from Mandan by chance? Yes. Hey, um, I'm from Mandan too. I'm, I work now at the, the newspaper here in town, but I'm trying to find 
other people who might be related to line games or Schmitz or Bullying she's, she's, she's related. Her mom's a line gang. Your mom, I'm, I'm, I'm a line gang as well. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, well, what are your parents' names? And I, you know, said my parents' names. What's your mom's name? My mom's Mandan. name's Lori. From where? From Mandan. She works out at the Bank of North Dakota. And then my dad's name is Arnie and he's a wine guy. Yeah, they go to school oh. church. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And I'm like, that's probably why she looks familiar because I've been to my parents' church many times. And uh, it's a little, it was a little unclear exactly how we were related, but like, I believe her mom and my grandpa were cousins. Carla Townsend. That's the name of the relative Rachel found. And it only took her 16 minutes to find her. Oh, and Carla happened to be there with another possible relative. Tim and Carla wrestler. Like 58 oh years my old. Gosh. Your dad? Oh, God. Like 55, I want to say 56. Because they're from Sandy. My, yeah, my dad's from Flasher. I know. I used to hang out with him. Really? What's your name? Oh, this Lorene Langate. Lorene Lang. Okay, gosh, this did not take as long as I thought it would. I've been here like 10 <laughs> And then there was another woman standing nearby who was like, I'm a Lion Gang. And then she was like, but I don't think we're related. Um, but I used to like party with your dad in high school. And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. You know, I want to hear some of these stories. How did you feel when you like finally found her? Well, I felt a bit of relief because I did find it like somewhat nerve wracking to go up to people just randomly. And I know that's crazy for a journalist to say, but any journalist would tell you that's usually not their favorite part of the job. Um, just randomly going up to people in public spaces. You know, there's a sense of camaraderie among North Dakotans and I think it like the the whole picnic experience really captured that that, you know, there's this little slice of home no matter where you go because there are so few of us and even fewer who end up leaving the state um that you tend to kind of cling to that familiarity sometimes. I was going to say did you feel homesick at all afterward? I, I'm kind of, I don't know how to describe this. I'm sort of low-key homesick a lot, but never for the place and always for the people. Rachel was supposed to be on a family vacation this week. That vacation was canceled. And like so many of us transplants, myself included, Rachel isn't sure when she'll see her family next. I can't even explain how much I miss being around my family, especially now when it's like, you know, things are crazy in the world. So yeah, at the beginning of March, I went to an event with 3,000 people and I can't foresee a future where I'll be at an event that large. Like, I don't know when we're going to go back to that sort of thing. Um, That's super scary. I also don't know, you know, when I'm going to see my family again. You know, my grandparents went home a little bit early because of the, how up in the air everything was. They wanted to be back at their, you know, main house back in North Dakota. And I would just love to, like, feel comforted by um, the people who really know me best. You know, We have FaceTime, we have all these digital tools to keep in touch, so I guess at least we have that. But I think, like, you know, for me and everyone right now, there's just this sense of, like, helplessness and, like, wanting to cling to what you know, but everything you know just doesn't make sense right now. And it's worth noting that you don't have to be a transplant to feel this way. Many people can't see parents or grandparents right now. I've read story after story of frontline workers who are 
distancing from their spouse or their children to keep them safe. Our notion of home has been fractured. But with time, we'll get it back. And we can choose to be hopeful until then. We can reminisce. Like Rachel, we can remember camping in the summer or learning polka in school. We can think about what it feels like to be in a park on a windy March morning, surrounded by people who sound and feel like home. Country roads take me home to the place I've been long, North Dakota, Mountain Mama, take me home, country roads, oh take me home, country roads, oh take me home. Hey listeners, it's me, Kayla, again. Katie, one thing I'm wondering is you're telling Rachel's story of this picnic and what it's like to be a transplant right now, but you're also a transplant. So how are you feeling about it right now? Um, well, the short answer is I'm not feeling great. Uh, I think like Rachel, I am very homesick and eager to see the people I love. Um, but you also, you know, it's hard. You understand that now's not the time. Um, and that for safety's sake, it's best to keep the distance, even if that distance is 2,000 miles instead of two blocks. Um, but yeah, definitely going to look forward to uh, a time where that's not the case anymore. Want to get in a few quick notes before we leave today. Um, thank you so much to Rachel for sharing what ended up being a really personal story. She was a champion throughout this episode. She interviewed Christy and gathered audio from the event. I really appreciate all the work that she did on this episode. And thank you to our photographer, Patrick Breen, as well. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. If you haven't had a chance to, please rate and review our show on whatever platform you use to listen. That will help new listeners discover our show and catch up on old episodes. All right, I'm Kayla White, signing off until next week.